today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. everything is just falling down all around us, that I can still stand and say, God, I know that you've got this. That's not just on a national scene. Let's face it, that's in your personal lives also. That's in your family lives also. When literally it seems like everything is coming at you and there's just nothing to grasp hold of at the moment and time. For you and I to be able to look at a situation in the worst of conditions that can come upon us and still have that faith to be able to stop and pause in the middle of the craziness and say, okay, God, I know that you've got this. Can you echo Pastor David's words today? When life hits you hard, are you able to sit back and say, God's got this? That's hard for anyone. The typical response in a crisis is panic or reliance on self to accomplish all that needs to be fixed. Your trying circumstances aren't up to you to fix, however. God really does have it all in hand. He's doing something you can't even imagine, so you might as well let Him take control. Place your life in God's hands and let His peace wash over you today. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Habakkuk chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Coming Day of the Lord. How many of you regularly watch a news program, whatever it might be? You regularly watch a news program. Now, tell me, be honest with me. Is it not right that every once in a while it comes to your mind and you say, why, Lord? Why in the world aren't you doing something? Why is this continuing on in this way? I mean, that's part of our, I believe, our humanity because we don't see tomorrow. We don't know all that's there. Now, we we can say, I know that God is in control, but the fact is, let's face it, we see stuff and it just absolutely amazes us what is going on. Well, that's the situation with the prophet Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Now, you're probably wondering where in the world is the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Go to the book of Matthew, Turn left and go about five blocks east, okay? You'll be right near the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk. I call him Habakkuk. I've heard other people call him Habakkuk, but Habakkuk. And if you keep saying it long enough, you don't know which one you're saying. So Habakkuk is where we're looking at. His time frame was around 620 BC, about 35 years or so before the fall of the southern kingdom. Now, he was a contemporary with the prophet Jeremiah. Last week, we looked at the prophet Jeremiah and the book of Jeremiah. And the end portion of Jeremiah, we understand that he is speaking about the final captivity of Judah. And again, the people of Judah being taken on into captivity on up into Babylon. Well, the book of Lamentations, I understand, 
follows directly right after the book of Jeremiah. I understand that. But what I wanted to do tonight is actually pause for a moment, go back and pick up a few of the other minor prophets that were speaking about the same time that Jeremiah was and kind of bring them into this whole picture of what God was doing with the people of Judah. I wanted to, again, help you to get that full extent of God's warnings to his people. The fact that he had warned them, look, repent, because judgment is coming. And he didn't do that with just one prophet with one message. He did it over and over and over. Literally years and years God spoke to the people of the southern kingdom, the people of Judah. And yet they continued on in rebellion. They continued on in disobedience. Thus, that final captivity, the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. But for now, we're gonna back up about 30, 40 years prior to that to get the message of actually two prophets, Habakkuk and the one right after it is Zephaniah. Two short books, but very powerful messages. When you find Habakkuk, you realize it's the book of Habakkuk that helps us to answer the question, how can we, in times of trouble, fully trust God that he's got this all under control? How can we really get to that point in our own personal lives that when everything is just falling down all around us, that I can still stand and say, God, I know that you've got this. That's not just in a national scene. Let's face it, that's in your personal lives also. That's in your family lives also. When literally it seems like everything is coming at you and there's just nothing to grasp hold of at the moment and time. For you and I to be able to look at a situation in the worst of conditions that can come upon us and still have that faith to be able to stop and pause in the middle of the craziness and say, okay, God, I know that you've got this. Now, let me walk in that peace. It's one thing to say, God, I know you got it. It's another thing to walk in that peace. Amen? Amen. Okay, so some of you in my same boat. So uh, Now, it was during this time in Judah's history, the Assyrians, uh, that great vicious nation whose capital was Nineveh that Jonah had been called to go up and speak to them. Well, it was the Assyrians, also known as the Chaldeans. They were continually coming. They were harassing and coming after the southern kingdom. They had already taken out, a 100 years prior to this, they had taken out the northern kingdom and completely pretty well obliterated them, scattered the people all over, did not take them captive, just drove them out to a multitude of places, in essence, wiping out that northern kingdom as best that they could. Well, since that time, the Assyrians had continued this this campaign of harassment against the southern kingdom with the hopes that they were going to soon be able to take them again and destroy that kingdom also. I say continual, but actually it was more off and on again through the years because the Assyrians, they had their own issues, political issues and different things that were going on. There was changes of leadership. There were battles with other nations like Egypt and Babylon, and and even the hand of God at one point caused them to stop. They were right there ready to take Judah and Jerusalem, and God sent an angel and just wiped out the whole army and, and caused them to stop. So again, the hand of God, the timing of God, the timing of God is absolutely amazing to me because I absolutely do not understand it at all. You know, the very times that I think God ought to supply the answer now, 
That's when he says, not yet, son. Wait patiently for me. Wait patiently for me. And I've shared with you guys probably way too many times that your pastor is not a patient guy. My middle name is Patience, but my first name is No. Okay, but God, we get in a situation, we, we, we're praying, we're seeking, we're believing God that, that he's going to take care of this situation and no answer comes. But then again, we see situations like this where, man, the enemy is right at the gates within in the next few hours, we're going to be overrun, we're going to be destroyed and suddenly, but God. And I love those but God moments that we find all throughout scripture. But God comes in and he stopped the Assyrian army. Well, during this time also, just prior, you know, 30, 40 years prior to the fall of the southern kingdom, during this time also, we see the weakening of the Assyrians and the strengthening of the Babylonians. Now, as the southern kingdom, they had failed in their ability to be able to fight off that powerful Assyrian army. And there was very little left of the southern kingdom of Judah outside of uh, pretty much just the city of Jerusalem and a few surrounding communities. So there wasn't much left. With the rising of the Babylonian power, as it increased, it made for this new threat, this continual press that's coming against them. And yet even with all of this remaining, all of this that's going on, the remaining Jewish leaders, as well as the people. We can't blame it just on the leaders, but it was the leaders and the people. They still failed to consider their end. They failed to consider the fact that at any moment, our destruction could come upon us. And they hadn't repented. All that God had sent to them through all the prophets and all the messages of the prophets with the enemy at one point in time right outside their gate and the nation didn't repent. This was during the time of Hezekiah. He was a good king. He prayed and God answered that. But there was not the wholesale change in the lives of the people. And now with the Babylonians again rising up in power and authority, there was still not a heart of repentance. Why? Because they had gotten along so far of a time without the discipline of God in their life because they had gone wicked for years and years and years and God had warned them and God had warned them and God had warned them. And they kept saying, not today, not today. What they failed to understand is that in God's time frame, there comes a time when he says, enough is enough. And we don't know if that's today or if that's tomorrow or when that is. For some, it might have been last week or last month or last year. What is God's time frame in all of this? Well, for the people there in Judah, the southern kingdom, God had warned them and warned them, and yet the destruction now at this point in time During Hezekiah's reign, God said, well, look, we are going, I am going to bring judgment. I won't bring it on during your reign. I'll bring it later on, but judgment is coming. Warren Wearsby in his book on Habakkuk calls the title of the book From Worry to Worship. From Worry to Worship. Because at the end of all things, God moves and works in his people. And we're gonna find that even here in Habakkuk. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones on his book, again, commentary on Habakkuk, he calls his From Fear to Faith. As these titles suggest, Habakkuk 
begins by questioning God's reasons for allowing the Assyrians and then very soon now the Babylonians, that new rising power. Why have you allowed them the opportunity to succeed? Why are you allowing them to press forward with so much violence and death and suffering only to end up at the end of his book with a really great declaration of absolute trust in God? He's fearful at the beginning, but by the time we see all of this taking place, he comes with one of the greatest declarations of faith, I think, that we find within the scriptures, and we'll look at that. But for right now, we're in the book of Habakkuk, chapter one. Let's look at a couple of verses real quick. One of the first things we see is Habakkuk talks about the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, and this is it, verse two. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? and you will not hear. Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. Their strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. One of the things I that we can look at here with what Habakkuk is writing. I think that by and large, it's kind of one-sided. Of course, we can't really see into the heart of Habakkuk and his thought process, but in the words that he writes here, his complaint is, Lord, why are you allowing the Assyrians and very soon the Babylonians to continue in that freedom to destroy so much and to bring in so much violence? And yet what he appears to be missing is is that the very things that he's concerned about these pagan nations that are coming against them are the very same issues that God sees in Judah. We look at violence, iniquity, plundering, strife, contention. The law of God continually being ignored among the kings, among the priests, among the people. The law itself, because of that, becomes absolutely powerless. Justice never goes forth. These are some of the complaints that God brings against the people of Judah. He say, the wicked of Judah surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Even within the boundaries, catch it, guys, even within the boundaries of the temple courts. See, the very thing that he's arguing or declaring to God about these other nations, that's the very thing that they were guilty of. How easy it is to see someone else's sin, particularly when it mirrors your own. It's a lot easier for me to see somebody else's problem when it's the same issue that I have to deal with. Why? Because I'm just so familiar with that particular situation. And we see the same thing here as Habakkuk cries out. Well, God's response to him is pretty eye-opening. And literally, I believe it ought to be very concerning even to us here today, some 2,600 years later. God's response, though, should not have surprised Habakkuk. Verse five, he says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astonished. For I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and a hasty nation. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. That's verse seven. Verse eight, 
Their horses also are swifter than leopards and are more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. Verse nine, they all come for violence. Verse 10, they scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. Verse 11, he commits offense, ascribing this power to his God. This is where their, actually their eventual downfall is going to come. God uses them as a discipline against his own people But when they fail to recognize that it's the power of Yahweh, the very God of the Jewish people, they continue to give glory to all of their idols, then eventually God brings punishment and judgment on them also. And yet the Lord is going to allow them to come against and have power over the children of Judah as a lesson of humility and to bring about not sorrow because I got caught, but a true repentance and then a final restoration. And yet Judah and the children of Israel, they never do completely learn their lesson in the midst of this. All of this that's going on. Habakkuk's crying out, how long, O Lord, are you gonna do that? God comes back and says, listen, I'm gonna show you something that's really gonna blow you away. You wonder why I haven't done it now? I'm gonna tell you what's gonna, it's gonna get worse before it ever gets better. There's a lot of folks within this fellowship right now, within Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We're praying for a revival. We're praying for a renewal, a spiritual renewal within this fellowship. We're we're pretty well tired of just doing church, of just going through the motions, having meeting after meeting after meeting, and not really seeing and experiencing the power of the Spirit of God in people's lives. As we study this time frame here in Israel's history, you can't help but see that God is so very tired of that same kind of attitude, just going through the motions. Yeah, they had the temple, we have the church. Going to church meeting after church, going to temple meeting after temple meeting after temple meeting. Having services versus having rituals, the same kind of situation. They were going through the motions, but their hearts were not fully consumed by God. They became consumers of religion rather than letting their hearts be consumed by God. Let me ask you this. What do you think, just in your wildest imagination, what do you think, and you don't need to answer me, just let this roll in your head, What do you think God would be willing to do to our nation to bring about a revival? How far do you think God would be willing to go to bring a spiritual awakening to our church? What about within your own life or the life of your family? Do you think that God is a God says, oh, uh, I'm just gonna give you peace and comfort all the time. Or does he love you enough to shake your life until you feel that it's about to fall all to pieces? I believe that that's how God works. What would you think if in God's desire to make us a people that are completely surrendered and completely obedient to his plans and purposes that he were to allow another 9-11? 
that God loved us so much that he would allow another Pearl Harbor or some catastrophic terrorist event. You think, whoa, that's not God's love. Let me assure you, church, God is much more concerned about your soul situation than he is about your physical situation. Because he wants all of you. What if he orchestrated, what if he brought about a complete breakdown of our whole economic system? I mean, absolutely complete. Shutting down the banks, shutting down our financial systems, freezing all corporate and personal finances. Now, would that shake you up? You know what? I don't need to depend upon God because I got MasterCard. And all too often, I think our world has come to that point. And I believe very much so that in the United States, in the Western cultures, let's just bring it to the Western cultures, the economically advanced, the ones that have all the technology and, and you know everything, very much so, we've become to the point that we don't need God. Now I've got Medicare, I don't need God. Uh, I've got a great health program, I really don't need God. What if we didn't have a United Healthcare or whoever your health provider. What if we didn't have what if we didn't have the hospitals? What if we didn't have the technology? And God says, You've just got to depend upon me. That's why in developing countries, countries that don't have anything of the pleasures and the comforts that we have, we find people who are amazingly deep in their relationship with Christ. Because he's all they have. He is their only hope. What if God, desiring that we'd turn from our wicked ways and see his face and pray, what if he were to allow a plague to hit our nation, literally causing thousands, if not hundreds of thousands to perish before the medical industry could get on top of it? Would God do that? He already has. Through the history of time, we've seen that. What if he allowed Christianity and Bible reading and and church meetings to become outlawed? Would God really go that far? Ask those in North Korea who are hiding out in the woods with a smuggled Bible because they love Jesus so much that they're willing to risk it all. It's not the comfort of the day or comfort of the hour or the the lack of anything else planned, but it's because they hunger and thirst so greatly for the things of God in their lives. Beloved, all through history, we've seen God go that far. And I believe that should the Lord tarry in his return, I believe he's possibly going to do it again. I believe even in our nation, our nation that used to be one nation under God. Love it, that's the book of Habakkuk right there. We could close out tonight and say that's the story of Habakkuk because God is going to bring to them something that they could not even begin to imagine. We're God's beloved. We're the precious ones. We're the chosen ones. He wouldn't do that to us. God says, yeah, I will. And as a matter of fact, he did.
That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.